coaching is hard. <laughs> you know what I mean. Not the on-field stuff. That's the easy part. It's the attitude. It's the lack of competitiveness. The people talking smack about how you're doing things. It can be draining. Honestly, that's the kind of stuff that can make you want to quit. Alicia and I have certainly both considered it many times. But what keeps us coming back? What keeps us grounded, confident that we're on the right path, and unshakable despite other people's opinions? Hands down, it's culture. That is what we want for you and why we're hosting the Softball Coaches Culture Bootcamp. Tickets are available by the time you're hearing this and we kick off Monday, August 7th. And bonus, Lonnie Alameda will be joining us for a Q&A as well. So head to mentalspeedspot.com bootcamp to learn more. And now, let's hear how culture kept us from quitting. All right, jump on in. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hey coach, welcome back. Got another topic today that I am posing to Alicia and we're just going to chat about uh, based on our experiences and some of the ones that we've heard from other coaches and players along the way. So Alicia, topic today is we all go through those times where we're like, why in the bleep do I do this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I've actually been on the verge of being like, "Mm, maybe I should be done. (laughs) Uh, Maybe this isn't for me. I think we've all had those moments. I know you and I have talked about before. In what ways, because you've told your stories, I've told mine, and it seems like the common theme is culture really brought us back. Like, Mm -hmm. not just the idea of it, but like all the possibilities that come when the culture is rocking and when it's solid. And first, let's talk about, tell me a time when (laughs) you were on the ledge. What was going through your head? And, uh, what were some of the things that led to that point? Oh my gosh. So many times. Um, (laughs) I think, um, one of the main, one of the main times I think was late 2000. So I had been coaching for a total of about 10 years, but on varsity, probably about eight at that point. And, um, it was my worst experience with parents. Some of the worst experiences I had with kids, And, uh, I remember after a game coming home and crying with my co-head coach on the phone and we're like, why are we doing this? Right. So, um, I mean, we had it all, you name it. We had the nasty voicemails. We had, um, the phone calls. Um, it was pre like texting really wasn't a thing, but like emails, um, people trying to take our jobs. Um, uh, it was very ugly. And I think that there was a lot of people um, that just thought they could do a better job than us. And we wanted to just say, okay, then you can try. Um, but we tried not to make any decisions when we were super emotional. But I think at, at that moment, we reminded ourselves, why do we do this? And it's for the girls. That is why we do this, right? Because we believe in what we do and how we do it and why we do it. So we said, okay, we're going to finish this year. Um, And if next year, I think it was like 2008 or nine, but if next year is anything like this, then I don't think that we can take the personal attacks and, you know, when you cross the line, when you attack coaches integrity, I think, and that's where we were at. So 
I think it was 2009, we were just like, okay, we cannot do this anymore if next year is like that. So there was several years leading up to that, but that's kind of where the first time where I just wanted to quit. Uh Uh-huh. I bet all the coaches listening are like nodding their heads in Mm -hmm. unison. We've all had that time. And then like what was happening on the teams that year too? Like what was happening with the players as well? I mean, the drama, they weren't getting along. Um, There were the parents that were, I could tell, were really strong-headed, so to speak, right, for their kid was the best. And it it really wasn't that much different than some of the things we see today. But I think today it's, like, on another level. But, I mean, we had a lot of talented kids, and um, we also had some okay kids, right? And I think that this team had won the little league world series. A lot of these kids, not the team, but a lot of the kids on that team had won the little league world series a few years ago. And so there was a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation for this group, which translated to pressure on us and whether, and and maybe we didn't really know how to handle that at the time, I think either. So, you know, they were just coming in. And so I think it was playing time was an issue for some people um, all the things that you still hear. Um, and there was so much conflict, but there was just a lot of drama on the team as well. But I think that was stirred up by the parents at the time and, you know, uh, out of whatever. So it was just not a fun time. That's for sure. And uh, no, not at all. And yeah, the, the parent thing, like even at the college level, like the, their parents are a big part of their lives. A lot of the coaches listening are parents. Like, of course, we are going to influence them. But you can just hear in the way you're explaining it, it becomes this storm mm-hmm. of bleh. <laughs> so that it doesn't take like this one super villain. It's all the things coming together that make mm-hmm. this culture storm. Okay, so... You're in there. I'm glad you had your co-head coach to <laughs> lean on and get through this together because, yeah, there's some times where you're like, what? If no one can convince me, I'm out. <laughs> what were the conversations you guys started having once you got over the hump of like, but yes, we're still in it for the girls. We can make one more try. What were those conversations? Um, I will also state that we had an extremely supportive AD. And I think when you have that, which I know you have there as well, I think that changes the game. So we relied very heavily on him as well. So we, he believed in us. I know there were a lot of all the other people that did too. Um, and so having that strong foundation at, from your boss, so to speak, was a big part of it. And I think when you just sit down together as coaches and with him at times too, like, how do we handle this? Like, we just didn't know. And I think having his support, number one. Uh, which I know not all high school coaches have. And I think that that's really unfortunate, Um, but we were very fortunate to have him. The second thing I think for sure was just recommitting to the kids and really focusing on them and really working to tune that stuff out. As we've talked about many times, I'm super emotional. I'm super like I get, I'm fiery. Like, so I had to really just control my emotions when I was around them because I knew if I opened my mouth, I'd probably be fired. So uh, Terry was a really good balance for me uh, for that. She would handle some of the situations very calmly. But I think re-energizing yourself into the girls and really trying to do all the things that you believe is the right thing to do and having a lot of more conversations with the girls about their goals. Um, 
yeah, we had goals, but it was kind of the same thing we always had done before. And we kind of had a, a refocus on those as well. So I think sitting down with them, coupled with having some support and really kind of re-energizing into the re- our why, which we didn't call it that then. We didn't know that's what it was, but it's we really had to get back to our why and then kind of channel that back to the girls. So good. And yeah, it's funny. It's like we've talked about this before because it's all, it's all like we're like, God, this happens in a new way each season, but it's so important. Uh, I will, I want to talk about like how you then took that into action, but first like the support piece. I know a couple of people on here are like, oh, I don't have that kind of mm-hmm. AD. I don't have a boss at the travel ball level. It's just me. Like, oh, uh, what do I do? Like, am I stuck? Uh, and it doesn't just have to be your superior or the person he, heading the organization or someone else. What were the, the qualities he held and the reason he was such a strong support for you? Like, what made you trust him? What made you believe his belief in you? Because sometimes there are people that are like, you're a cheerleader. Like, love you, mom. But like, when you tell me I'm okay, I'm like, but you don't really know. <laughs> You're just being supportive. <laughs> How did, like, what kind of mentor was he? That's, the, oh my gosh, that's a whole nother podcast. But I think at the end of the day, right, he was, he he was a form, he was in the um, armed services in the past and the reserves, I believe. And so he was very mentally tough. He was very gritty. He was a coach himself he knew that we were doing it for the right reasons. There was a lot of work behind the scenes previously to that year that he was doing to help, you know, really gather additional support from all the people around the administration. We didn't know it at the time. Um, I won't, that's too long to go into, but I think at the end of the day, he did an enormous amount of work behind the scenes to keep our jobs because there was a lot of people that kept saying we would never win anything. And for us, we were flabbergasted because I had we had never had a losing season. We had a 20-plus win season every year. And it was really frustrating to him as well because he thought, you know, this is n- – I'm going to stake my – this is where I'm going to draw my line. We're not going to fire coaches, right, that are that are winning, that are doing the right thing for the girls and are really good role models. And so we knew we knew that at that time, all the support he had done behind the scenes, that really makes you know he believes in you because he told us to our face, but he was also doing this other stuff behind the scenes for years. And we just, we didn't understand it, but it's really tough, right, to, to shut that out. It really is. And there are times when I look back in my career where I don't know how I didn't just throw up my hands. Clearly, I'm glad that I... Persever, you know, persevered and and got through it, but I I didn't do it alone. And having the support staff, having Terry with me, having the support of my family, and having the support of my AD that kept saying over and over that you're doing it for the right reasons, and that is all that matters. And you're great coaches. I think is really what helped push that push us through that really dark time. And you do know you just said it. That is how it's. Yeah by focusing on the controllables like we tell our players all the time and then creating an environment where we hear only the things that are going to help us <laughs> mm-hmm. like 
of course we're going to notice the naysayers. Of course it's going to sneak in there, throw us off. Our own doubts will throw us off. All that stuff will sneak in. But if you are creating that world where like, no, we are all focused on impact. We are all focused on helping these girls become better humans. That's how you get through the the BS. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I can tell you when we, when we won the state championship in 2011, I started bawling my eyes out in the fourth inning because oh. I knew that we were going to win and it, but it was a yeah. relief of, it was a relief of pre- all the pressure and all the stuff for 10 years off my shoulders. So um, I enjoyed it. Of course it was amazing and awesome, but boy, the relief I felt after winning that state championship um, was enormous, <laughs> enormous pressure, enormous relief to be like, you know what, guess what? We can do this. That validation, like yeah. ultimate validation, like right. see. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, there's so many people that are never in that position. Um, but you can still have validation with improvement with um, mm-hmm. kids that call you five years later, right. Or 10 years later. and just going to say that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, there's, there's hopefully, hopefully I, I hope that every coach, you know, that really finds that because mm-hmm. you, need, I really do believe you, you need some of that because there was a point where I wouldn't have made it. Everyone has their breaking point, right. Whether you don't have the support or you don't have the validation or you never actually win anything and the kids and the parents and all the things people do walk away all the time. And it's easy to uh, to understand why, but it breaks my heart when I hear that good coaches are driven out by uh, all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that through this whole thing has been my mission. Like keep these coaches who care so much and have the capability of making such a big impact, keep them in the game. And that's, mm-hmm. it's paying attention to those, noticing those little clues. Like I have my crying moment, <laughs> really random. I was a graduate assistant. So like all of my, all the things were a little bit different then, but like just as busy, just as swamped, all the pressure, you know, it got to me because it was also, I'd never been at D1 before. So I was burnt the burnt out. Uh, one of my players, and she was a freshman. Like I was doing my thing, doing the field, going over, and then I was doing a hitting station, and da da da. She just looks at me in the cages, goes, "Coach, you okay?" I was like, "Oh, oh, oh. uh, I I thought it was, but oh, am I not?" <laughs> Steered up like, uh, "Yeah," and it made me realize, like, "Oh, she cares about me too," and she's just this freshman who has all this other stuff going on, like those little moments are like okay yeah that's why i do it it's for that piece for sure and and i hope that it may even be a little interaction or something little that reminds you of that but i think we all need it i think we all need to be reminded of our why and why we're doing it and that sometimes you just have to shift your focus i think honestly to your why. And I was doing that without having that phrase, right. In my head, right. Or knowing that phrase or before I met yeah, you. I don't know what we would have called it, but we were absolutely doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> For sure. Purpose or something. <laughs> uh, okay. So now let's get back to where you were leading before. What were some of the things that next season, the other couple seasons leading up to 
the state championship. There were a bunch of things along the way. What were the things that you were focused on? What were your controllables? Um, I think I think it was really getting them to to hear their goal right out loud was to win a state championship. That was that was for the forefront. And I think really just kind of staking, staking, putting a stake in the ground and saying to the parents, this is our program. This, these are the kids goals and this is your role. And I know we've talked about that many times. And I think what it is, is like, you're starting to establish that it's not their program. It's not anything to do with them other than the support and to focus on the kids goals and to really listen to them and really start to push them in a way that helped build both the relationships. Right. And that's when we started to introduce the mental training. And I think at that point, actually, I don't think I know what we were doing is starting to establish a culture without calling it a culture. Right. It was, it was almost like taking back control. Like, nope, this, we are the coaches. These are the goals. This is your role. This is our role. And and then really implementing the mental training, which we've talked about. But I think that's exactly what it was, you know, kind of talking out loud through it. That's that's what it was. We were starting to establish a culture in that moment of what Manawan softball was going to do moving forward. And that really changed the trajectory of the entire program for the next, you know, 13 years. And the rest is history. But if you had not committed to it, Mm -hmm. put it into action. Because lots of coaches have great conversations about culture. There's lots of podcasts. There's lots of books. There's great quotes. What about the action you took made it really stick for the long haul? Uh, I think it's one always getting back. You, you do this to me all the time, but I, you know, I'm better at this without you preparing me. You always just throw questions at me. Um, just <laughs> as, yeah. I mean, she texted me yesterday and goes, we need to do a podcast. I have a great idea. I have no idea what we're talking about today. Um, but that's mail for you. Um, what I think, what I think it was, um, you also kind of have to reaffirm and start with yourself, right? Why am I doing this? Right. And during that time frame previous to this, I really got sick of losing the same teams, right? And I wanted to have a better program. So that requires a mindset shift, right? For you as well. It's and it's, we started to talk about it every day, right? We started to do something every day about mental training. We started to talk about what we were going to do to it and how we were going to achieve the goals. And if they weren't doing what I thought they needed to do in order to achieve those goals. I'd tell them. And that was something that was new for me too, right? I started to coach more, but as we've talked about before, we never, we never had any mentors of coaching, right? We just, we were, I was still in college technically when I started coaching. And when we took over varsity, we were, I don't even know how old I was like 23, like never, I had three years of JV and a couple years of 14 U local travel ball, which was fun, right? That was all fun, but this was starting to get more serious. So I think that I wanted to change too. I wanted to change and I wanted to be a better coach. I wanted to be better for them. I was sick of losing. I wanted to establish something that was different. And those were conscious thoughts, but the how-to piece, I kept trial and error, trial and error, what worked, what didn't. And if it did work, we'd talk about it. Why did it work? 
If it didn't work, we talk about why it didn't work. And I think that that's where I really started to understand the kids on a different level, right? And really being able to connect with them. And that is what slowly started to really pay off, I think, on the field. Um, And then the validation. Okay, so I am doing something right. We are saying the right thing. So how can we constantly make it better? Um, That was, those were definitely conscious efforts. I can tell you that right now. And I think the the key that I keep hearing you say is it, I don't think you changed. I think you grew. Fair. Like, mm-hmm. like your coaching style, quote unquote. Yeah. Always the same. Passionate, right? Mm-hmm. But it, we have to grow every single year, every single team, every single player we come up against <laughs> because every kid is different. I know we talk about like kids these days, every new kid is kids these days because every kid has their own background. Every kid has their own issues they're dealing with softball wise, mentally, (laughs) interpersonally. So I think hearing you talk about this, like that was your go-to is grow, find a way because there isn't one formula for each team, but there is that like base that like we come back to this core, we come back to this true North that we talked about last week. And I think that that's the real magic in the career you've had and the program you've built. What do you think when you hear me say that? Um, Well, I always will go back saying I never did it alone. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, I would say, you know, change is growth and growth is change. And I think that, um, but I want, you want that, right? And you have to be able to also go through the ups and downs because there's a lot of ups and downs and and recognize when the when it's a really shitty season that that's still growth and what can you learn from that? And I think that's when I started, right, to, to meet you. And that's when we started to have a lot more conversations and you talked me off the ledge a lot because, and I had other mentors later in life that, helped guide me. And I think one with all of those people you surround yourself with that you can bounce ideas off and know that you're going to get stuck in the mud and learning from that. Um, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always roses. There was a lot of crap in between. Um, but I really chose, chose in the moment, sorry, not in the moment later, which is easier to do. you got to really learn from those things. Cause in the moment you're stuck and you're stuck and you're like, what am I doing? Why is this not working? Why do we suck all the things that go through your mind? But I think that the growth piece is so critical and that is change. And I learned more from my failures than I did my successes. Um, it's very easy to sit here, you know, in July and say that when, you know, not in the middle of it, but I really have. And that's because I wanted to, I wanted to be a better coach. Okay, so enough about me. Let's talk about you and your <laughs> your career because culture has also saved your career, right? Or changed mm-hmm. your career. So mm-hmm. how would you say those those types of lessons that we're now teaching you learned kind of before you started knowing what it was? Yeah, I uh I had I'd done mental training, I'd done um some culture activities. We read the books, uh, did all the things, you know, and it's funny. I did quit 
<laughs> I blamed it on uh, my husband getting a new job and moving. Uh, but I absolutely, I even told my boss now, like, no, nah, subconsciously, I was like, maybe I, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Cause we had, when I was at Kalamazoo, we had improved. Absolutely. Uh, the girls were great, but I think upon reflecting, because we'd been working together for a couple of years, we'd started doing boot camps. I realized, dang, I don't think I could have taken them any further, which so grateful they have their coach now because they were rocking it. But if I hadn't grown my own confidence as a coach, my own uh, clarity on my culture, uh, I think we would have stagnated with that team Um, because it, it just affects everything. When you're not clear, you're focusing on too many things, which means you never make any progress on any one thing. <laughs> and you just feel stuck. So I I did quit uh before anything bad happened, but uh yeah, it did end. So I'm very grateful for the four years sabbatical I took because coming back in, like you said, <laughs> it does not mean every season is gonna be great. <laughs> like that first season at LaGrange, these girls had no clue, no clue how good they were. So with the real challenge of having one and a half pitchers that first year due to COVID and the coaching change and all these other things, like they, they really had no self-belief, no idea how good they could be. Um, and if I didn't have what we had created our blueprint, I no way I would have. I would like, oh psych, never mind. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I was actually right. I should have been done. Uh, but no, like we stayed, they stayed resilient through it all. Like run rule after run rule. Like I, I don't even know how many games we won. Uh, because <laughs> I think it's so sad it left my brain. Uh, but like bounce back, and then I felt bad for the seniors who moved on. But even then, they. The things they were saying in our end of season meeting, our banquet, excuse me, when I asked the seniors to get up there and share like what this program meant to them, like that, that meant the world to me, despite an awful record, <laughs> like technically an awful season. It was not an awful experience. Uh, and then that, because I didn't spaz out <laughs> and do my usual, like, okay, scrap everything, try something new. What's that person doing? What's that person doing? <laughs> I went back to my core, checked in, like, no, we are on the right path. These girls are seeing the difference. They are getting closer. They are learning what it means to truly compete, to count your wins, to keep growing despite the failures. And we were so much better this year. Granted, there were some physical things too. Like you get a full pitching staff, that helps a lot <laughs> when you don't have position players pitching 90% of the games at the end. Uh, but I am a firm believer that, that that's kept me in it. I've, and we are going to keep getting better and better because we know our core and the girls bought in right away. Like You've worked with them. They are all in. Thank you to my predecessor for recruiting awesome humans because we've got the right crew. Um, but that that to me was when I was getting stuff ready for boot camp and thinking like, we need to talk on like how important this is, not just for the team and the performance, but to keep coaches in coaching who truly care. 
in that banquet or end of season meet um, time when they stood up, that's your validation, right? Like you, yep. you got your validation of what, why you were coaching. Yep. And then you just built on that. Cause I remember talking to you about, but you're building a foundation cause you were in it too. Like you were stuck in the mud too. And we yeah, all, did. absolutely. I was not this rosy at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is when you're losing, you know, regardless of, you know, how well the girls are responding. Nobody likes to lose. And, uh, but that's what we kept talking about. Just remember the foundation you're building moving forward. And I think that that was really evident this year. Yeah. And I didn't cry at all that year. I've cried multiple times <laughs> this season. I was like, <laughs> like just hiding in the shower, just getting it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was another sign to me. Like we'll be okay. You'll be okay. I was very frustrated, very mad, but. But you had a little bit, your your trajectory was different, right? With your sabbatical, mm-hmm. but you came in with a renewed focus mm-hmm. on the things you knew you wanted to focus on. I mean, you had yep. it all laid out and you stuck to the plan and you didn't deviate. And that's the experience talking. And that's mm-hmm. what is cool to watch, right? Like, and you have complete, even though I didn't know you as a coach well, while you were up here, right? I was getting to know you as a person to see you now, like, is so cool for me to watch because I know you walked into that job with a mission and you're sticking to the plan and you're not letting the wins and losses dictate your plan. And that, that can be where you sometimes get trapped where you start to change, right? You start to change what you're doing because it's quote unquote not working, but how are you able to just stick with it? Mm. Uh, I literally write out my blueprint. (laughs) So that's one, one way. And I've gotten really good at noticing when I'm starting to go down that path. It's usually not in the middle of a game <laughs> or practice, uh, but at the end of the day, because I've also gotten better at not, <sighs> sounds weird, not being in coaching mode 24 seven, uh, hard to do. <laughs> like when people say like coaching is a 24 hour gig, yes and no. Uh, yes, we're always available. We're always here to help whenever we can. but taking little breaks i've got the kiddos they're my natural break hanging out with them and actually playing with them for a second gives me that space to be like okay those losses weren't as dramatic as they felt yesterday (laughs) okay we aren't a bad team we're bad at this one thing (laughs) or i know the thing that's going to get us over that hump uh that's been my biggest thing is because i was clear on my main thing it helps me and then I take some breaks and get out of the weeds physically. It helps me notice and get back on track faster. Like I did not do that before. Pre, pre-kids, pre mm. like first head coaching job was like definitely the 24-7 person and never gave myself that perspective. It's hard sometimes, but that's all about being present in the moment and where you are, being where your feet are. We've talked about that before. And I think that that's really important too for your just for your mental health moving forward through coaching and giving yourself that break of being present with your family or or whatever it is that you're doing in the moment because it can consume you. Which I held on to for a while, even with mental sweet spot stuff. Like it was hard, like, oh, because I had this fear in my mind, I guess, of like, but if I don't go all in 24-7, I'm not gonna reach the goals I want. 
And then I realized it's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Going all in 24-7 means most of the time you're not going full power. I'm best at full power. So I try to be full power as often as possible, if that makes sense. It it does totally because you want to be 100% present in the moment when you're there coaching. And Mm -hmm. really difficult, even for me, for a lot of coaches, I'm sure, most coaches I would venture to say, to separate when they're in it because you, you so desperately want, you know, a great culture. You want the girls to win. You want all the things and it can consume you. And I think that I have been in that trap too. And it's, it, I have noticed a negative effect. Mm-hmm. Legit visible, like, okay, now it's really, and then it affects the team and then it becomes a snowball of its own. Not fun. And that's experience that's talking. And that's why I love yeah. talking with you because we have different experiences, but similar trajectories in certain ways and very different trajectories in, in some ways. And I think that that's why so many coaches listen and can can get something from each podcast. And that's what I'm very grateful for. Agreed. Yeah. hundred percent believe my trajectory was much steeper than the little shallow bumps I would have had on my own. hundred percent. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's, has been my, my career, very slow, very like slow and bumpy, but a very slow, (laughs) steady way up, but that's also exhausting sometimes, but I wouldn't change it. Um, I wouldn't change it at all. I I know I'm, I guarantee you wouldn't change yours either because the path is the path and the journey is the journey. And I can step back and appreciate it so much more now than I ever could before. Mm -hmm. And I think because certain things have happened, right. In order for me to take that time to reflect in the past seven months. And that's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. It's cool that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have started there. I'm very beyond grateful for having an AD that stuck by our side and kept us there and believed in us. I am very grateful for the people that I've met along the way that have helped that journey. Um, but my gosh, it takes a village. It takes a village to raise children, but it takes a village for this coaching, right? To be able to to have the support to keep going. I mean, because you have your support at home too. And mm-hmm. without that, we both know we couldn't be doing it. It takes a village to survive. It really does. I've heard that exact phrase in three different contexts in the past 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And it is all true. It's true. So I think it's important to know that you can't do it by yourself and no need to try to do it to. Yeah. You don't yeah. need Because it makes it a stronger you. And when you're the best version of you, look out, man. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. I wouldn't change it, but I know you wouldn't either. So. Nope. This has been a good conversation because it's like, okay, I, I didn't realize I was creating a culture before I actually called it a culture. And uh-huh. so that's that's kind of cool to know that that's kind of what started back then and what's been the foundation of the success, right? A hundred percent. The foundation of success over the last 12 or 13 years has 100% been, been the culture. And that is a wrap for today's episode. It is my most sincere wish for every softball coach to feel the way Alicia and I do when we reflect on our careers so far. If we could reach every coach who truly cared about their girls and wanted to help them grow as people, and we could give them the confidence and clarity that we've built throughout the years, we could positively impact millions of girls. 
Detachable how I want you to join the Softball Coaches Culture Bootcamp. To learn more, head to mentalsweetspot.com slash bootcamp. Hope to see you there, Coach. In the meantime, have a good one.